1: Make sure to go to TimCast.com, click join us and become a member to support this podcast and all the work we do, and you'll get access to exclusive uncensored segments from TimCast IRL and way more. Now, let's jump into the first story. Tucker Carlson is back, ladies and gentlemen. He put out a video last night on Twitter, kind of vague, but he basically said the liars will get what's coming to them. And the video as of right now has almost 45 million views. Okay, it's a weird metric on Twitter. It says 45 million views in the tweet. The video itself has, I think, 14 million views. So pick whichever number you think fits your uh, ideological worldview and then run with it. The left is going to say it only has 13 and the right's going to be like, it's got 50. But uh, all in all, regardless of how you cut it, Tucker Carlson's short two minute message on Twitter got way bigger ratings than his actual show did. Obviously, it's because they fired him. And then he put out a statement. So everybody wants to hear what he has to say. But he had some very important things to say. And there's some very important things they want to say about him. Because now, my friends, the war begins. Tucker Carlson hits out at liars, trying to silence honest people and power brokers Who are hysterical and afraid in blistering video following a shock firing from Fox News. And while that story may not be news to everybody, I'm sure many of you heard that Tucker Carlson issued a statement. How about this one from Rolling Stone two days ago? Fox has a secret Oppo file to keep Tucker Carlson in check, sources say. Eight sources tell Rolling Stone that the network's top brass has been stockpiling information. On the departing primetime host, are you ready for a media war? It's getting crazy out there, my friends. BuzzFeed News collapses. Nate Silver is about to get fired. Don Lemon is gone, and uh, Tucker Carlson is 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 next. And uh, there's probably more coming. The corporate press does not work. And the the amazing thing there's actually an interview with Ben Smith of BuzzFeed News, shining a light on the corruption. That is BuzzFeed News. Now, I don't think he sees it that way. He's probably thinking that BuzzFeed News was great. <clears throat> but his interview basically says, you know, little mermaid quizzes right next to serious news. And when Facebook decided that this stuff was awful and then want it wanted on their platform, it hurt their business. What that really says, they were trying to capitalize on politics and they were trying to use Facebook as a medium to deliver this stuff. And it drove everyone insane. And only now is BuzzFeed News finally getting a stake through the heart like the vampire that it is. But let's first read about what's happening with Tucker Carlson, and then we'll talk about the collapse of the media. We have this from the Daily Mail. Tucker Carlson has hit out at liars trying to silence honest people and power brokers, speaking two days after he was fired from his position as America's most watched cable news host. Carlson addressed his fans in a two-minute video that was posted on Twitter and spoke cryptically about being silenced. He said America's ruling class has given up persuasion they are resorting to force. But he insisted the honest people would ultimately win, and he's right. The liars who have been trying to silence them shrink and they become weaker, he said. That's the iron law of the universe. True things prevail. Five hours after the video was posted, the clip was viewed nearly 30 million times. Actually, I have it right here for you. 44.6 million views on the tweet, 14.2 million views on the uh, actual video clip. Let's refresh it and see where the number is at right now. And now it's 14.4 and 45.3. I know some of you may have already heard this, but I think for those that didn't, they should. So I'm going to play the clip from Tucker. It's two minutes long and uh, we should hear what he says.
2: Good evening. It's Tucker Carlson. One of the first things you realize when you step outside the noise for a few days is how many genuinely nice people there are in this country, kind and decent people, people who really care about what's true, and a bunch of hilarious people also, a lot of those. It's gotta be the majority of the population, even now. So that's heartening. The other thing you notice when you take a little time off is how unbelievably stupid most of the debates you see on television are. They're completely irrelevant. They mean nothing. In five years, we won't even remember that we had them. Trust me, as someone who's participated. And yet at the same time, and this is the amazing thing, the undeniably big topics, the ones that will define our future, get virtually no discussion at all. War, civil liberties, emerging science, demographic change, corporate power, natural resources. When was the last time you heard a legitimate debate about any of those issues? It's been a long time. Debates like that are not permitted in American media. Both political parties and their donors have reached consensus on what benefits them, and they actively collude to shut down any conversation about it. Suddenly, the United States looks very much like a one-party state. That's a depressing realization, but it's not permanent. Our current orthodoxies won't last. They're brain dead. Nobody actually believes them. Hardly anyone's life is improved by them. This moment is too inherently ridiculous to continue, and so it won't. The people in charge know this. That's why they're hysterical and aggressive. They're afraid. They've given up persuasion. They're resorting to force. But it won't work. When honest people say what's true, calmly and without embarrassment, they become powerful. At the same time, the liars who've been trying to silence them shrink. they become weaker. That's the iron law of the universe. True things prevail. Where can you still find Americans saying true things? There aren't many places left, but there are some, and that's enough. As long as you can hear the words, there is hope. See you soon.
1: I completely agree with Tucker Carlson. In in, in, In everything he said, I mean, you know it. That's probably why you watch my videos. It's probably why many of you watch Timcast IRL. It's probably why many of you started watching the Culture War podcast, because you turn on cable news, you open up a website for a major newspaper, and it's all lies. It's them telling you what you're allowed to think, not what's true. You want to fit in? These are the words you need to repeat. But those of us who actually care about the world being a better place, understanding reality and helping our fellow man, we aren't interested in playing that game. Me, I want to know what is, not what you want. And that's the scary thing about the modern left. They live in a world of, of subjectivity where anything is whatever they want it to be. We, I, you, many others live in a world of mostly objectivity. I say mostly because we recognize we have our biases. We recognize that uh, we expect certain things when it comes to news, or we search out certain stories. And that will limit our views. We're not omniscient. But when we look for news and we look at what's going on, we want to know the truth so we can improve our lives and the lives of those around us. But that's bad news to the corporate structures. It's bad news to the elites and the powers that be. And they will do anything they can to stop it. They're going to say the 53-year-old's word represented a fiery rebuke to the Fox News executives who fired him. Carlson was said to be stunned by the Monday morning call from Suzanne Scott, CEO of Fox News. She and Lachlan Murdoch, the CEO of Fox Corporation, are said to have made the decision Friday night, less than a week after they settled their Dominion suit. Carlson's text messages to co-hosts and colleagues were pivotal to Dominion's case because he admitted that the on-air claims he made of the 2020 election being stolen were farcical and mocked those promoting the conspiracy theories against Dominion. And that's the lie. Tucker Carlson never, as far as I know, oh, maybe I'm wrong, okay, because I don't, I, don't, I don't watch everything he's ever said. My understanding is he was not in support of the fraud narrative. I know that he had a segment where he was like, Sidney Powell, why don't you prove these things? And I'll let you come on the show and say whatever you want, and she wouldn't do it. It's strange then that the narrative is now that he was on board with the election lies. The funny thing is, they say the same thing about me. And it's the weirdest thing. I have never been on board with the 2020 fraud narrative, yet there are activist organizations that lie every day fundraising off of the claim that I, I was, I believed Donald Trump. Isn't that amazing? Why are they so adamant to make sure they lie about people like me or Tucker? Now, more so Tucker, I'm not trying to say that I'm on his level or anything like that. I'm just saying when it comes to this narrative, and it's probably because they need that. When they go to their leftist voters, when they're, they're liberal voters who don't pay attention, they say, here's how you could identify an other. They think the election was stolen. And I'm like, I mean, if in the sense that Democrats and Republicans worked together in various states to change laws to improve their odds and uh, bolster their turnout and use universal mail-in voting in Pennsylvania, where it was initially deemed unconstitutional, If you're talking about that, I mean, those things literally happened. The New York Times reported that I'm not making that up. But then if people are arguing anything weird about like, you know, German spies or something and satellites, I don't know what you're talking about. But here's where we are. If you in any way said that Democrats, well, (laughs) Democrats wrote an article called the shadow campaign to save the election. And if you in any way reference what they claim they did. They will come out and say you're an election denier, and they do that because they want to make sure you're an other. So they'll lie. But you want to know where we're at? They fear Tucker Carlson. I would love it would be the greatest episode we've ever done if Tucker Carlson could join Tim cast IRL at night and we would just be like, let's roll, baby. Say it all.
3: Picture this. You're driving on the open road, taking in the beautiful views this country offers. Then out of nowhere, you hear a noise and your car breaks down. While still frustrating, you feel protected because you have a plan through CarShield. CarShield has helped millions of drivers from having to pay backbreaking car repair costs. All you have to do is call before a breakdown. Plans can pay for expensive repairs on your out-of-warranty car, truck, or SUV. All for CarShield's low monthly rate that never goes up as long as you cover your car. With a plan through CarShield, you get protection on over 5,000 major parts and systems with just a visit to carshield.com carlson. I'm talking big money items, like your transmission, engine, electronics, and so much more. CarShield is here to keep you moving forward and make car breakdowns and the repairs that follow just a tiny bump in the road. Go to carshield.com slash Carlson. Protect yourself from the unprecedented rise in costs for parts and repairs. Visit now to save 20%. carshield.com slash Carlson. That's carshield.com slash Carlson.
1: But there's some risks. For one, my understanding is that Tucker Carlson is still under contract with Fox News. So despite taking him off the air, I'm not sure what he can or can't say. I'm not sure what he cares to say. But then you also have this Fox secret opposition file on Tucker Carlson. You want to know how evil these people are? As he was working for them, making them lots of money and being the highest rated show, they were secretly collecting dirt to weaponize against him. Oh, boy. Here's the story from Rolling Stone. Fox News executives have in their possession a dossier of alleged dirt on Tucker Carlson should he attack the network in the wake of his departure. Eight sources at and close to the network tell Rolling Stone. When Fox announced Carlson's departure on Monday, the network presented the separation as amicable. But according to one former on air Fox personality, the anchor and some of the channel's top executives are parting ways on the worst and messiest possible terms. Indeed, in private communications released at last month as part of the Dominion lawsuit, the now fired Fox host gossiped that one such executive executive hates us, claiming she was covertly working against him and other hosts. But if Carlson attempts to torch the network, he's leaving Fox is prepared. Eight people familiar with the situation tell Rolling Stone that Fox News and its communications department, long led by the notoriously aggressive Irina Briganti, has assembled damaging information about Carlson. One source with knowledge calls it an oppo file. Two sources add that Fox is prepared to disclose some of its contents if executives suspect that Carlson is coming after the network. The file includes internal complaints regarding workplace conduct, disparaging comments about management and colleagues, and allegations that the now former primetime host created a toxic work environment, three of the sources say. Carlson is currently facing a lawsuit from a former senior booking producer, Abby Grossberg, alleging a toxic and misogynist workplace environment. The lawsuit details repeated instances of misogynist behavior at the network, including frequent lewd and sexual discussion of female guests and public figures. I'm just going to skip over the rest of their weird parenthetical uh, article because she never met Tucker Carlson. She never met him. He worked in a different state. Amazing, isn't it? A network spokesperson denied the existence of the file on Carlson. This is patently absurd and categorically false. We thank Tucker for his service to the network as a host and prior to that as a contributor. Now, there's a funny thing. Rolling Stone saying this stuff exists and revealing the basic details of it has just neutered Fox News's attempt at silencing Tucker Carlson. And that's the best part about it. And it's probably why they're pissed off. They're like, we needed this information to be private so we could weaponize it. But no, you can't. Because now we've heard your arguments. Many sources within the network disagree. Irina will never be shy about using these things, says one network source who is familiar with the Carlson-related complaints. Over the years, Berganti and Fox PR tactics have been turned against its own most pro- most prominent talent. For instance, The Daily Beast reported in 2018, Emails reviewed and verified by the outlet show that Fox's communications brass have planted negative stories about some of their own top stars, including hosts like Bill O'Reilly and Stuart Varney, the latter of whom is still a Fox employee. Those methods for keeping personnel in line are an open secret among current and former Fox News staff. For former, Fox News personalities confirmed Briganti likes to keep dirt files on Fox News talent, including one on Tucker Carlson. An ex-Fox News anchor laments, Irina tries to keep a file on everybody. Any talent like Tucker would have a lot of things, other people complaining, they encourage it, and then they just keep it on file. It's a classic dirty trick. Briganti keeps files on everybody to screw with them. A departed Fox News host adds, it's classic Fox. The sources say it was not clear. What might prompt Briganti or Fox News to use the file? On Monday, it was revealed that Carlson had hired Brian Friedman, a high-powered entertainment lawyer, to represent him following his Fox exit. Rolling Stone did not receive comment from Carlson at the time of his piece's publication. Friedman did not respond to Rolling Stone's request for comment. It's also unclear what precisely triggered Carlson's abrupt departure, blah, blah, blah. We think it has a lot to do, uh, it was a variety of things it has a lot to do with. Maybe that um, Rupert Murdoch's wife, was gushing over Tucker and uh, kind of offended Rupert Murdoch. He's now no longer with this woman. So, uh, oopsie. Do the executives understand how much credibility and trust we've lost with our audience? Carlson wrote shortly after Fox News projected Joe Biden had beaten Trump in the 2020 election. Regarding Fox News executives, Carlson also privately sniped a combination of incompetent liberals and top leadership with too much pride to back down is what's happening. Harshly trashing leadership is considered to be a major transgression at Fox News and Fox Business, where those who step out of line may find themselves on the receiving end of an unfavorable story. Well, I'll tell you, they go on to mention like Megyn Kelly and all that stuff, but I'll tell you. Rupert Murdoch does not want Tucker Carlson to be the big dog. That's it. Tucker Carlson became too big and it hurts the brand. That's basic business 101. If you're running a brand and you've got talent that is becoming bigger than the brand, Your brand is in trouble. It's probably one of the reasons that they got rid of them. Now, fortunately for me here at Timcast, Timcast is the name of the company and the name of its flagship show. So I have a lot less to worry about in that regard. And uh, honestly, I'm not really worried about it. I hope that the people who work here and the talent at Timcast become way bigger, millions of subscribers, and they can do whatever they want because I'm good doing my thing. And uh, I don't know what else I'd need. I suppose if you're Rupert Murdoch and your fame is only in that you've hired other people to say words, you'd be worried if someone saying words was getting more famous than you. As for me, I say the words. I say the words. It runs the business, and then I hire other people to say words too. And if in the end the other shows became much much bigger and took off, then good for them. I still have my show, and that's it. I ain't worried about anything. This is the this is the future. Individuals running their own networks which is what Tucker is likely going to do. I can't imagine he'd do anything else. Now, some people believe that he's going to run for office, maybe. But if Tucker were to now, in one week's time, launch his own website, he got 45 million impressions on that tweet. Imagine if he could convert, but a a 1%, let's just say 1%, because not everybody who watched that likes the guy. He's looking at 400,000 paying members. Let's say he charges 20 bucks a month for Tucker TV. Oh boy, that's a lot of money. We're talking 8 million per month. Let's say he just does 10 bucks per month. Let's say he converts 5%. You see where we're going? Now we're talking $10 million per month. If he charges 10 bucks a month. Wait, did I get the math right? Oh, wait, my, 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 my math is, a, is way off. So if he's got 45 million and we're talking 5%, so we're looking at 2.25 million subscribers at 10 bucks a month, then we're looking at, holy crap, that's a lot of money. Wow, he'd be pulling in hundreds of millions of dollars. I, for some reason, I was thinking uh, $5 per month, but 2.25 million? If he got only 5% of those viewers to actually subscribe, eh, that's probably a lot. But hey, man, if he could pull in 20 million per month, he'd be doing all right for himself. And I wouldn't be surprised if he could. Now, he's get, he gets 3 million in his ratings, 3.3 million on average. Let me break it down for y'all. When we do uh, Timcast IRO, we get about 500,000 views. It's almost all key demographic. It's about 80% key demo. So that actually rivals Tucker in the key demo. But Tucker then has 2.8 million people, 55 and older, which we just absolutely don't get. So that's good news in terms of our access to the younger demographic, but he's still substantially 10 times more influential. What you need to understand about those viewers is that an individual viewer doesn't watch every episode every single night. Some do. Most don't. That means if we were to look at Tucker Carlson's average nightly viewership of 3.3 million, and I was going to do some projections, in terms of unique individuals, Tucker probably has 60 million unique individuals who watch his show. 3.3 watch. And, and, and you know, it's cable TV news, so there's probably a strong... Uh, uh, recurring audience. But I'd estimate that the amount of individuals, so so basically, let's say of the 3.3 million, 1 million watch every episode all the time. That's just 1 million people. But I'd be willing to bet that the average person watches maybe five episodes per month. That means those other views are all different, unique people, because that's what it means for us. When we look at our unique viewership, it's massive. It's like, It's substantially higher because if we put out an episode on Monday and 500,000 people watch it, a different, you know, 200,000 people are rotating between each episode. So in terms of unique individuals who have seen our content, plus our clips, I think it comes to like 40 or 50 million people, which is crazy. Not everybody watches every single show. Well, right now, Fox News's ratings have taken a major hit. They're way down, and we expect they'll be way down again. At first, they said, what is this? Hollywood Reporter says they pulled in 2.6 million, despite mediaites saying it was actually way lower than that. I'm willing to bet that the new ratings that come through are going to be way worse. Many people pointed out that come Monday, people tuned into Fox News and watched Brian Kilmeade not understanding that Tucker was gone. Tuesday, many people will not tune back in because Tucker is gone. It's going to be interesting to see if Fox News can pull through this, if they end up with only like a million views for Brian Kilmeade. Now, there's questions over who will replace this time slot. Jesse Water seems like a good idea, but I got to tell you, anybody who takes that slot is probably going to be really, really embarrassed because they're already making fun of Brian Kilmeade. This is probably one of the reasons why they wanted to get rid of Tucker. You can't replace him. If Sean Hannity were to leave, nobody would care. Seriously, they wouldn't care if Ingram were to leave. Nobody would care, and I'm not trying to be a dick to either of them. Tucker Carlson was fired unceremoniously, and people are upset. So anybody who fills that slot will be viewed as a usurper, and it will be cringe. So perhaps Fox News should just run dead air. It's fascinating times to be alive, my friends. Fascinating times. We'll see where Tucker goes, but I got. Uh, I'm I'm fairly optimistic. I am. I think he's going to launch something big. We'll see. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. In what may be one of the weirdest stories in the culture war, Florida Gay Pride Parade canceled after anti-drag show law passes. I love how NBC News Channel On Your Side really falsely frames this one. Let me give you the real story. Florida has banned Children attending sexualized adult performances. And for that reason, totally independently, Florida Gay Pride has said they're not going to have an event. What? Okay, what? What is that? What's the implication here? Florida Gay Pride is being canceled because they can't have lewd performances in front of children. Let me repeat that. The law that was passed according to the Associated Press, is very simple. Children cannot attend adult live performances. Okay, they shouldn't. So they canceled Pride? Okay. For, th- for those that don't know, <clears throat> and I- and please, tell your liberal friends, tell your leftist friends, tell your-, your aunt, your uncle, whatever. Tell them that they have strongly been arguing for and advocating for sex and nudity at pride events. Just Google it. Now, if your family members are in favor of children being around sex shows, then I think, I don't know if there's anything you're going to be able to do to change their opinions and convince them of a moral future for this country, because that's just, I don't know what the word, like well beyond the line. Okay, let me read the news for you. WFLA says officials in a southeast Florida city have canceled gay pride parade and restricted other pride events to people 21 years and older in anticipation of Republican Governor Ron DeSantis signing a bill meant to keep children out of drag shows. You see? Yes, technically. But you could just say the law bans children from attending adult performances. That's it. You can can have your art shows. And you can do drag. Just don't put kids in front of sex shows. Man, these people are creepy. The Pride Alliance of the Treasure Coast posted Wednesday on Facebook that the decision to change this Saturday's Pride Fest events was made after multiple conversations with Port St. Lucie officials. The city is located about 50 miles north of West Palm Beach. Quote, We hope that everyone understands that this is definitely not what we wanted at all and are working with the city to assure our safety as well as produce a positive event. The, Fla- the Florida House sent S- DeSantis a bill Wednesday that bans children from adult performances, a proposal aimed at the governor's opposition to drag shows. The legislation, which awaits the governor's signature, would allow the state to revoke the food and beverage licenses of businesses that admit children to adult performances. <laughs> what is wrong? with What's going on? The DeSantis administration has moved to pull the liquor license of a Miami hotel that hosted a Christmas drag show, alleging children were present during lewd displays. These people are evil. Evil does not begin to describe the lies, the deception, the manipulation, and exploitation of your children. There's videos from the event showing lewd adult performances in front of children. And DeSantis is like, that's a bad thing. And Democrats are defending
2: this.
1: I'm sorry. It's 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 right here. The AP, the House sent DeSantis another bill that bans children from an adult live performance. These people want children in strip clubs. Yes, they do. For the longest time, we've seen videos of children and they're and they're disgusting taking off their clothes for money at gay nightclubs. Google it. I'm not. It's crazy to me. It's, it's absolutely insane. And I blame people like Bill Maher. Look, I like Bill Maher. I think he's starting to wake up to what's going on. But he's recently on his show with Winsome Sears, Lieutenant Governor from Virginia. And she says, look, you know, I just don't want my kid getting a lap dance from a drag queen. And he goes, OK, well, they're not doing that. It's like, How dare you, Bill Maher, not do a simple Google search on any of this? That's the most frustrating thing to me. The dude's like, I'm going to go do a political talk show. I've done zero research. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Granted, he's gotten better. And I can respect that. Respect Bill Maher. Because there was that time when you had Dennis Prager on and he said they're putting tampons in the men's room and Bill Maher was like, ah, that's just for their girlfriends. Wrong. And they all laughed. They all laughed this time when some seer says, I don't want a drag queen giving my child a lap dance, which happened in North Carolina, he goes, "I I don't think that's happening. And she goes, Bill, you need to read more. Yes, Bill, you need to read more. And it's people like him and these well to do liberals who don't pay attention at all and are backing this stuff. So here's the funny thing, I guess you will go to your liberal family member. You will tell them, look what, look at this story, look at this, and they're gonna say, I don't care, MAGA is evil, you're in a cult, blah blah blah, because they're in a cult. You see, the thing is, I just, uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm not a conservative, uh, traditional liberal, probably uh, '90s Democrat style or something, like that, maybe 2000s Democrat, except for the whole Obama blown up kids, you know. And uh, here I am sitting down at Breaking Bread with staunch Catholics, conservatives in disagreement. But we agree on a lot of the basic things that matter, that, that matter most. We, we we decide that we will find that point where we can learn to live together. That's how it used to be. So when a conservative, Catholic, Christian, etc. or otherwise says, I do not think we can do X, I will not stand for that. I say, OK, well, you know, I understand why you oppose this thing. Um, I think we need certain compromise. So let's figure out where you and I would be the least unhappy and we can live together. And sure enough, you know, I can host a show like Tim Cast IRL with uh, uh, Seamus Coughlin, who has returned. And he is a staunch Catholic. In fact, Michael Knowles called him a Shiite Wahhabi Catholic, which is hilarious. And uh, he's, he's one of our best friends. He's hilarious. He's fun. He's funny. He's a good guy. And we disagree in a lot of things. And he knows we do. And we get along with smiles on our faces, trying to do our best to lead good lives and help each other. It's crazy, isn't it? This idea. Here we are now. And I suppose it's as simple as this. I may not be a Christian. I do believe in God. Um, and it's weird because people call people are like, Tim Pool's an atheist. And like, I don't know where that ever came from because I haven't been an atheist since I was like 18. But uh, uh, I believe in God. Um, I believe in profound mysteries of the universe. And I wouldn't call it New Age or anything like that. It's 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 probably, um, pro- I, I, I would say my belief structure probably has some similarities to Christianity, but I just don't believe in the, the the religion itself, the Bible. It's just not me. And um, I think in that we probably share some moral values like uh, don't bring kids to adult performances. Why? Children are trying to learn and understand, and we want them to be strong. We want them to be great. We want children to be better versions of ourselves, better than us. But what they're doing is they're corrupting children and making them worse versions of us and leading them leading them down a path of corruption and unhappiness. I'm not some you know I'm not here to advocate for some like moral you must be married life. Shameless might be. There are a lot of conservatives who would argue that um, premarital premarital sex is wrong and things like that. Nah, I'm fairly liberal. I think uh, fairly liberal. However. Just because I'm more progressive or liberal on some issues does not mean I completely agree with or I agree in any way with the idea of cutting ourselves from our roots. I think there has to be liberty, classical liberalism, but still strong morality. And that's the one that's the line. The line for me is I may not agree with everything the traditionalists and the conservatives think, but I think there has to be some moral foundation. So I'll agree with them on that. To put it simply, we talked about it. I would rather see the Ten Commandments in public schools than critical race theory, critical gender theory or Marxism. That is to say, I look at the Ten Commandments and I go like, you know, you shall not have a God before me or whatever. And I'm like, if you believe in that God, if you believe in God or whatever, but not worshiping false idols, honoring your parents, I think these things are all generally good. And that's what I've talked about before with Bill Maher, because he gets he's going to get roped into this. His morals are rooted in Christianity, whether he agrees with it or not. And the, the story, the example I love to use is the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. If there is but one righteous person, this, you know, won't destroy the city. And then they get the righteous people out and then God blows it up. Um, I'm paraphrasing. But the idea of of this story was the basis for Blackstone's formulation, which is the basis for the right of the uh, the presumption of innocence in our current legal system. If you believe in free speech— free religion, presumption of innocence, and due process, that has its root in Judeo-Christian moral values. How about that? They don't have that in communist China. They don't have that in many countries. They have the presumption of guilt in many places. So I don't have all the answers, and I'm not telling you to go to church or anything like that. I'm just saying we need to recognize our shared moral foundations. And the issue now is, if you are a agnostic, which I'm not, I actually believe in God, I don't know what the right word is for that, though. If you're if you're an agnostic, an atheist, and you think it's wrong that kids are, are, are looking at, you know, lewd performances, you are conservative traditionalist right wing now, according to the left. Let me take you, my friends, on a journey. Take a look at this guy, Maxwell Alejandro Frost. Maxwell Frost, who is this guy? He is a congressman representing Central Florida, and he said, this was always their goal, the erasure of the LGBTQ plus community in Florida. No justice, no peace. This man is evil. You may not believe that you may think when I say evil, like he's a mustache twirling villain who's like,
2: I'm going
1: to take over the world. No, I'm referring to the banality of evil. Now, I think it's possible this guy is just like overtly maliciously evil, like he knows he's lying and manipulating people for power, which is possible. Or it's the banality of evil and that he is a dangerously ill-informed person and has no idea what's actually going on. First, they canceled their own event. The government did not ban the event. What they said was, you can't have sex performances in front of children. And then the pride parade went, oh, no, now we have to cancel. That's creepy and weird. And then this guy was like, oh, this is an outrage Ask yourself this. Why are Democrats so desperate to bring children to sex shows? Me, I'm a traditional liberal. I've never supported anything like that. And because I pay attention to the news, I'm like, I think these things are wrong. These people either don't pay attention at all or actively want it. Here you go. From Fox News. Transgender Minnesota lawmaker introduces Bill removing anti-pedophile language from state's Human Rights Act. Minnesota State Rep Lee Fink told Fox News Digital the language never should have been included in the statutory definition in the first place. Let me simplify this for you. In the human rights provision in Minnesota, it, it, spe- it specifically says pedophilia is not a protected class. It's, it's basically saying that if you're a guy who likes guys, if you're a woman who likes women, you know, you cannot be discriminated against. However, If you're attracted to minors, you can be. And this person is seeking to eliminate that to make this person seeks to make pedophiles a protected class. That's what Democrats be doing. Can I show you Google? Just Google search nudity at pride events. Here's the first article from the Boston Review. Keep pride nude. Here's queer theology. Why are so many naked people at pride? In magazine, the right to bear all, should nudity be allowed at Pride? Quora, why is there so much routine nudity at gay pride parades? Why is nudity allowed? Are gay pride parades inappropriate for children? 2018, is it appropriate for a person to be completely naked in gay pride events? Why is partial nudity present at pride parades? Over and over and over again, and then you have auto straddle. Nudity, kink, and safe spaces for kids can coexist. Are you kidding me? Kink? This is what they're doing. It's the creepiest, the creepiest thing, and they're actively pushing and pursuing it. Keep pride nude, writes the Boston Review, saying arguments that kink has no place in a post Me Too pride may appear reasonable, but celebrating public sexuality is an important step toward a future free of racism and homophobia. No, no, nah, that's the line. How are they proposing kink for kids is the weirdest thing, but So long as Democrats blindly just support this, no matter what, it will only get worse from here. But I think this may be a serious fault on their part, and it may lead to the right actually winning in many respects, because I think regular parents don't want this for their children. It's the craziest thing to me that there are parents who bring their kids to pride events and don't care. I've told the story before. When I was younger, my family owned a coffee shop on uh North uh on Hall, North Halstead in Chicago. Uh I think it's now called the Kit Kat Club. Let me take a take let me let me Google search this because I've not looked it up, it's been decades. The Kit Kat Lounge. It's crazy to see. It used to be called Java Joe's. It was my mom's uh coffee shop. It is still there, been in business for quite some time. Uh kind of amazing to see that it's been around for so long. I'm just jumping over to the uh, the old map there and, and there it is. So it's called the Kit Kat Lounge. How about that? And, um, when I, when I worked there, when I was a kid, my mom didn't want me going outside during the pride events. She said, no, you stay inside. Pride parade was coming through and I was not allowed to go outside. Why? Because there were naked men and women. There were people doing overtly sexual things to each other all throughout the streets, all in plain view of the public. There were people who were running around naked. When I was older and I was in LA at a pride event, a bunch of uh, people that uh, I went to a Pride event, and there were people running around naked. Yeah. It, because it is, it's not appropriate for kids, and it is kink. That's what they're celebrating, sex. And I've said this before as well. Over in uh, on, the, on, the, on the, in the neighborhood of, it's Boys Town, it's North Halstead, there were stores where it would be a clothing store. And in the in the window are mannequins that are anatomically correct and performing acts on each other. That's what it was to be in th- these neighborhoods. It was not love. It was sex. And so you take a look at the, this, this uh, sex ed stuff that Ron DeSantis is saying, like, hey, this goes too far. The left calls it sex ed. But it's actually it was funny. Nikki Freed, who's running, tra- trying to run against DeSantis, called it butt plug porn. That's right. That's what she wants in schools for kids. Admittedly, that's what they want. At what point are we allowed to say, if you want these things in schools and kids present, you are a pedophile? At what point? Because I think it's now, you know, if they're trying to make pedophiles a protected class in Minnesota, which they are, does that not imply that they're likely pedophiles? If they want children to be taught kink, which is what they're doing, is that not does it not make them abusers? Child is it not child exploitation? We got a morality crisis in this country. I got to tell you what: too many people blindly marching in lockstep with whatever the machine says is popular. Which brings me to my friends, Elsa Gate, which you've heard me talk about before, but I can I can connect all the dots. Elsagate was an algorithmic manipulation that led to videos for children where Elsa from Frozen was eating feces out of a toilet. Think I'm wrong? Look it up. I'm not going to show it on these videos because I try to have some standards here. But what happens is these people see those videos and think this is what popular is. So they're going to emulate. They're going to simulate. They're going to promote.
0: Shipping can make or break a sale. So optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D.
1: Now, it may be that the average person can understand the absurdity of such a video of Elsa. But when, what, what happens when you start to just inundate the system with all this kinds of content to the point where these people grow up thinking it's normal? The babies that were shown videos of Elsa eating feces, it's in their brains now, forever. You know, there are a lot of things I remember from, from being a kid that I will never forget like the level select password for uh, code for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 for the NES. It's B-A-B-A, up, down, B-A, left, right, B-A, start. I would much prefer it if I memorized, I don't know, like calculus or something at that age. But for some reason, in that one week where I learned, in that one day when I learned that stupid code to level select that NES video game from like 1989, I have never forgotten it. And I'm sure there are many things you remember. Where you're like, oh yeah, I remember stuff like that too. Because when you're a kid, you absorb this and it locks itself into your mind. And those videos, the algorithmic corruption, will forever be locked into the brains of these children. When they grow up, it will get crazier. Keep your kids away from this stuff. Which is the problem with influencers like Dylan Mulvaney. Dylan Mulvaney is the manifestation of Elsagate. The algorithm created this persona for profit. And now it's being reinforced in a feedback loop to children. And now you have politicians who are angry, angry that they can't have sex shows with children present. And it's absolutely insane to anybody who's actively paying attention. It makes me wonder about the NPC meme. What makes it so a person does not recognize these problems? What makes it so that there are people like you and I who may or may not be conservative or libertarian or disaffected liberals of all these different political backgrounds being like, yeah, we recognize that's a bad thing. Is it because we are conscious, sentient beings who are paying attention and then many of these people are simply not? They're just saying or doing whatever they think they have to do to get by to fit in. And that's scary. But maybe that's always been reality. And the issue now is the blind leading the blind. This politician, Maxwell Frost, who is so angry that he can't bring children to a sex show, Maxwell Frost. They banned sex performances with children being present. Why are you so angry about that? Please explain to me, because if I'm getting your view wrong on this one, you need to clarify so I can better understand, because for the time being, it just seems like you're a pedophile. And I don't know that that's the case. I don't know you. But why are you defending these kinds of events? Could it be that he's just blindly ignorant and marching in lockstep with whatever the TV tells him? Yes. Yeah. Maybe. Or it could be that these people are deeply evil and this was always their intention and they're trying to force their way into this system and they're being allowed to by default liberals who won't pay attention, don't pay attention and only pretend to care. In the long run, though, I'm fairly optimistic. They sterilize their kids. They abort their kids. The future is going to be conservative. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. The bloodbath in media continues. Vice News has announced its flagship Vice News Tonight program is over. And they'll be making painful layoffs and restructures to the company. Sad to see it. Sad to see it. For those that don't know, I was the founding member of Vice News. That's right. I was hired by Vice before they had a news division. And then there was a long debate over how I could actually work for the company. And the long story short of it is through my tireless efforts, as well as several other individuals who were working there before me who convinced the higher ups to launch a news division, we were able to actually launch, launch a news division. And Shane Smith, the CEO, said, the Knight Foundation awards that they never actually intended to do news until, boom, and he points to me and says, Tim Pool came in and then started uh, working on this, on this news stuff. So when I first started at Vice, they had something they called Vice News. They would make shorts or documentaries and then put the Vice News. They would call it like it was Vice News, but they didn't have an actual brand or channel. And then I made several documentaries. The one of, uh, one of which I'm most proud of is the North Korean Motorcycle Diaries. You can see right there, field producer Tim Pool, where uh, these the, this crew went through North Korea on motorcycles, and it was uh, it was pretty amazing. And I interviewed them, and they recounted their story, and they gave us the footage. It was truly, truly incredible, truly incredible. And then uh, Vice News got woke and went broke. And from there, it's only gotten worse. So right now, as we are seeing, Nate Silver is getting the boot from, from 538, Don Lemon, of course, was fired. BuzzFeed News is gone. Tucker Carlson gets the boot. Now we're seeing more vice media canceling its flagship news program. So I just want to say to all of those vice news producers and to everybody out there who's not. But hear me out. Vice News. Vice is a company. Yeah, they got woke and they went broke. But a lot of these news producers don't know, don't care about any of that stuff. And there are some good people there. Some of them, I assume, are good people who just want to go and tell a good story on the ground. And boy, howdy, we'll take them. If you're a Vice News producer, we'll take your pitch. If you've got a story that you want to pursue, you need some kind of resources or whatever. It's difficult, but we will try and find a way to pick up some of these stories that Vice News will no longer be able to carry. CNN reports, Vice Media will cancel its acclaimed program, Vice News Tonight, as part of a broad restructuring that will result in painful cuts across the organization, the company said Thursday. In response to the current market conditions and business realities facing Vice Media Group, in the broader news and media industry, we are moving forward on some painful but necessary reductions, primarily across our news business. Co-chief executives Bruce Dixon and Josefa Lakowandala, Handwala, announced a memo to employees. Dixon and Lokhandwala, who stressed the news is core to the larger company and that it will not exist it will not exit the business added we are transforming vice news to better withstand market realities and more closely align with how and where we see our audiences engaging with our content most it's a sad story it is man it's a bummer but i do have news for all of you if you happen to be a billionaire or maybe you're a millionaire worth several hundred million dollars you have an opportunity right now to buy Many of this, rep- much of this reporting to hire many of these individuals and, in fact, purchase the old vice building, which is for sale for thirty four million dollars. OK, it's one hundred percent leased out and vice moved out of this property. But you can see right your subject property. That's the old vice building. Man, sad days, sad days. I don't know. They tore a big portion of it down, I guess, that uh, vice used to be in man, it's crazy. It's 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 kind of sad. It really is. It is it, it, it is sad. You know, I remember back in the old Vice days, I remember I was in the new expansion part of the building. There's Shane Smith, the CEO, who shakes my hand, having a beer, talking about business. I told Shane Smith that uh, we had a meeting once. He's a CEO, former CEO. And I said, I want your job. And he says, no, you don't. My job sucks. No, I do. And uh, I meant it. And here I am. And while you may have no choice but to get rid of Vice News tonight, TimCast will pick up the slack because I do want that job and I have that job and I want to see real reporting. I want to see real news. I want to see truth and honesty. And that's what we'll strive for. The TimCast News team looks forward to working with anyone who's interested in pitching stories and producing mini docs. And we have two documentaries coming out. That's right. I got the job, ladies and gentlemen, because I worked hard for it and I knew what I wanted. And you can do it, too. We've got a documentary from Lauren Southern coming out very soon. We have a documentary from Ben Stewart. Lauren Southern produced a documentary for us on gun control and infringement. And Ben Stewart produced a documentary on the Federal Reserve and the banking system. Both, I think, are very, very relevant in today's news cycle. This is, uh, this is the, the, the rest of the message from, from Vice News. They said, as part of this process, we've decided to streamline Vice News and make reductions in roles across our global news team to focus on growing digital video business and news documentary and series production. The funny thing is, they said it before. Every time they downsize, they say it this way. It's clear that we need to accelerate Vice News's transition to these platforms where its biggest audience are, on our owned and operated channels, where we have a direct relationship with our audience, on Paramount Plus, with Showtime. Fast Channels, YouTube, TikTok, Twitch, and via documentary programming for streaming platforms such as Netflix, HBO Max, and Tubi. We believe this strategic focus strongly positions Vice incredibly important news coverage for the future. Yeah, but they, they laid off a bunch of people. Like a ton of people at Vice are gone. And some of them, well, good riddance. Some of them were ideologues, and that was the problem. Some of them were just reporters who didn't know a whole lot. I think the strangest thing I ever experienced is after I left Vice and left Fusion, There were people that I had worked with on the ground at Vice who told me not to cover the news. It's the weirdest thing. When I said I was going to go to Sweden and I made a GoFundMe saying, you know, Donald Trump's claiming all this bad stuff's happening in Sweden. I'm going to go check it out. I got messages from former Vice News staff saying, don't do it. And I was like, huh? Yeah, they were like, don't go. Why? If Trump is lying, let me prove him wrong. And said, no, don't. It was weird. It was almost like they knew Donald Trump was right. Fascinating. And what did I find? Well, you know, it was a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It wasn't as crazy as people thought it was, but the crime certainly was up. People were associating their worldview in a city like Baltimore or Chicago with Sweden. And so while Sweden saw a massive spike in crime, it wasn't like it was anywhere close to what Chicago was like. And, you know, and, I, and I told them that. I said, look, man, in Chicago, crime is way worse. So while I understand people are upset because crime was going up, It's still really, really, really nice in Sweden, but they're experiencing crime. And for many of them, it was the first time so that uh, I was not surprised by. What was surprising to me was that I had vice news journalists abandoning principle for ideology. What a shock. But now look where they are. They get to join the ranks of everybody else. And this means it's the uh, it's the end. They say the award winning vice to vice news tonight will come to an end. With its final broadcast being May 25th, the program, which has received the most Emmy nominations of any newscast for five consecutive years, has been on the air for seven years and just celebrated its 1000th episode last month. Employees who are being laid off were set to be notified on Thursday. The company will provide them severance and work with the vice union on the matter. The people were familiar with the situation said the restructuring comes as vice media once the darling of the industry explores a sale. It's so sad. In a memo of her, uh, uh, of her own, so brought a day, executive vice president of Vice News acknowledged the larger forces at play, saying the cuts are the result of tough financial realities, which continue to challenge the business in the midst of sales process and changes to our funding model. Yeah, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And Vice News didn't really have either. They, well, they're not dying the hero. And then it really became the villain. They just kind of became irrelevant. They didn't know what they were producing. They didn't care. And I'll tell you why. I'll give you my view. And a shout out to Shane Smith. Uh, I still think Shane Smith is a good dude. I think he made a lot of mistakes. And that's fine. Uh, He was older than me when I started working for Vice. I think he was like 45 when I was like uh, 26 or 27. And the mistakes he made was not keeping up with the machine. But it was obvious to me as a young person entering this company That Shane Smith was primarily focused on appealing to his age group, Gen X. And so the outcome is going to be obvious. When the company was trying to appeal to an aging demographic, they started to lose money. And then when they brought in young people who didn't have any idea what was going on with innovation or technology, they went ideological. And this caused a chaotic clash within this company. I look at it and I'm just like, even now, the message they point out makes no sense. We're going to do this, that for all these other companies. And I'm just like, sure. okay, dude, it's going to be another four years and they're going to be like, we're firing everybody. Meanwhile, Timcast will be something different. Timcast will uh, persist because we're not just going to launch one single company. We're launching self-sustaining cultural forces. We are launching shows that will sustain themselves and they'll just be what they are. The reality of the world is that not every musician is a rock star, but there are many musicians who make a living playing music. Not every actor is a celebrity, but there are tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of actors. Most actors you've never heard of. They do small roles and they do them consistently and they make a living doing it. And you've never seen them in a major movie because people are too hyper focused on the top. The real strategy should be to create cultural forces and businesses that are sustainable and last a long time. You ever drive through a city or your neighborhood, and you see a building, there's a big sign, and they'll say, like, "Voldemark." I know, it sounds like Voldemark, And you'll be like, I don't know what that business is. And then you'll, like, look up a directory, and it'll say they do plastic emulsion or something, and you're just like, huh. You never thought about it, did you? All the businesses that, that exist that you've never heard of that are large and generate millions of dollars, and that's the point. You don't need to be the shining city as a corporation atop the hill You just need to make things that work for people and help expand positive ideas and create a mass benefit. But I think Vice was too insistent on trying to be that shining company, the new light, the CNN of the street. And that's why they are falling apart. But it is what it is, my friends. The end of an era. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. I think it's time we reevaluate our priorities in this country and ask ourselves why it is that women— are depressed. Seriously. In this article from 2018 in the New York Times, demographics of long-term antidepressants, it says older white women account for 58% of adults who have used antidepressants for at least five years.
0: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for
1: details. Why? Serious question. Now, I'm going to give you my opinion, and I'm sure that opinion will be very triggering to feminists, but uh, I don't care. I think our society has created circumstances, circumstances and social pressures which generate unhappiness in women. Now, of course, feminists will probably make the argument that it is oppression by patriarchy or whatever that makes women depressed, but I really don't think so. Take a look at one metric, uh, the amount of partners. The, le- the less amount of sexual partners that a woman has, the higher uh, her happiness tends to be when it comes to marriage the lower the number of partners both men and women have, the, the higher the likelihood their marriage survives and they're happy in their marriage. Interesting, isn't it? What's happening now is in our society, they're telling women to just do whatever they want, bang whoever they want and be free and be liberated. And all that's doing is giving men the benefit. I want to show you this tweet here where this, uh, this, this uh, uh, image went viral. The real Miss Joe says, white women, what on earth? What is wrong with their lives? that They have to medicate so much. Sold a dream of you can have it all and then find out that having a faded career and two cats is not enough. There is also evidence from many years. The American Psychological Association has looked at the difference between men and women and antidepressant usage. Again, it's clear. Also shocking is 12.7% of all Americans over the age of 12 take antidepressants. Elon Musk asks, is this definitely accurate? And Ms. Joe says it comes from The New York Times. And here's the article. So I'll tell you what I think. I'll tell you what I think. First, I think a lot of people are on antidepressants because doctors prescribe it because they make money off it and big pharmaceutical companies need a product to sell. I think that everybody gets depressed from time to time because it's a natural natural part of the human experience. And those that are misled will find themselves hooked and addicted, as the New York Times says. Many people taking antidepressants discover they cannot quit. Now, I think there's a reason why we're seeing so many women on antidepressants and suffering. First, women are, in my opinion, more susceptible to emotional swings. That is not a dig at women. That is a fact statement that women are more emotional. And I'm saying for better or for worse, whatever. You can argue that men are worse off for not being so emotional. Women are better off for it. But my point is this. Women are more susceptible to social pressures they're more likely to experience uh, more powerful emotions, which is why I think I think it's that women on average cry once a month, men on average cry once a year. In fact, I'd assume for most men, it's substantially less than that. I'm assuming most guys just don't cry in general. To be honest, I can't tell you the last time I cried, I almost cried watching Star uh, Picard season three in the finale scene when they bring back the Enterprise D, but didn't quite, didn't quite. It's funny, though. It's like of all the things that happen in the world, that's the one that gets me all welling up watching the old Next Generation crew getting on the Enterprise. I was like, oh, so amazing. I love that season, by the way. But uh, guys typically don't cry. Now, if a woman is feeling emotional pain and she seeks help for it, what's going to happen? They're going to give her drugs. She's going to get hooked on those drugs and it's going to mess with their brains If men are less likely to seek help for emotional issues because of social pressures and also because they're just less likely to experience it, it's going to be more women who are hooked on these antidepressants, creating a systemic problem in society. But I also think it's fair to point out it probably has a lot to do with social systems. I think that modern civilization is out of sync with evolution is the easiest way to put it. I'm reminded of that scene from the movie Snatch where Jason Statham's talking to his buddy and he's like, don't drink milk. It's out of sync with evolution, man. And he's basically explaining that humans evolved eating like berries and vegetables and fish. And then we only recently started drinking milk from cows and that our bodies can't handle it properly. I think it's an incorrect argument because I think humans can definitely drink milk as like we grow up drinking milk. But you see his point. There are things that humans survived that helped humans survive. So you have women tending to be social and raising babies and having babies and nurturing the next generation of humanity and men running off into the wilderness and fighting bears. I'm exaggerating, but the men would go hunt fish and bring back food. Women would gather. That tends to be the basic premise of evolutionary biology. Because of these things, The human civilizations, the human tribes that were more likely to engage in them were more likely to survive, thus creating certain social expectations and emotional responses. That is to say men are attracted to looks and women are attracted to status and power on average, not absolutely. All people as individuals are different, but these are tendencies that we see among men and women. The result is then in a society that tells women to be hunters, there is going to be something out of sync with evolution. And likely generate a negative response. Why? Humans survived through these practices. The human tribes that chose a different path, they're not around anymore. The human tribes that chose this path survived, and now it's ingrained in us to a certain degree. It seems like there's a grand experiment to try to pull things out of people. To change their behaviors and make them act a different way. To socialize them in a different way. I'm not so convinced it will work in the long run. Because some people are going to be okay with it, and some people won't be. But perhaps that's the goal. The women who are suffering under this new system, and the men as well, don't get me wrong, it's not just women. But we're seeing them be the principal uh, victims of antidepressant addiction. These women are less likely to have families, less likely to strive. And the women who do strive, thrive, and uh, have children, they'll pass on their genetics. In a thousand years... The makings of today will shape the generation of the future. That is to say, these three million adult women on antidepressants, whatever it is that makes them them, will likely not be around in the future. We can look at what's going on right now and say it's a bad thing, we should stop it. But there are a lot of questions about where we want to be. On the members only section of Timcast IRL, we were asked by a member, Become a member at TimCast.com, join the Discord server, and then during our members-only shows, you can actually call in and ask questions. And we were asked, if you could go back in time and tell yourself one sentence, what would it be? And it can't be about Bitcoin, because the first thing I said was like, right, is when you said it, I said, tell Bitcoin, buy Bitcoin. And he's like, it can't be about Bitcoin. Uh, my response is nothing. Nothing. There is nothing I would want to tell myself in the past. There is nothing that I would go back in time and tell myself to do. The things that happened in my life made me who I am. Now, I'm sure there are many of you who probably would say, no, I'd go back and change something. Maybe it's because I'm living a particularly good life that I don't want to change anything. But my philosophy is such that the scars of the past make up who I am today. To go back in time and remove those trials and tribulations would only make me a weak person today, and I wouldn't want to do that. And that being said, today, having foreknowledge would take away from the experience. So life is just. Seamus made a good point. He said, "I'd give myself. I go back in time and give myself the lottery numbers from yesterday, so that right now I'd win." And I'm like, "I wouldn't even want to do that." You're just basically saying you want to end your adventure. No, the adventure is what's before us. We are a component of what makes the future better. And for everything that's happening right now, all the struggles, all the trials, and everything we hate and resist, and we're resist and we're fighting against, these things ser- serve to make us stronger if we survive them. So looking at all of the problems and looking at this, what do I say? We must fix it. We must survive. We must solve these problems. We must fix this. We must ask ourselves why so many women are taking antidepressants. and We must put an end to it. And that trial and the scars we bear from this will lead to a stronger future. A lot of people like to point out that strong men make good times. Good times make weak men. Weak men make hard times. Hard times make strong men. And do you understand what that really means? A lot of people take it to a personal place, to a subjective place where they say, ha because of the weak men, we now have hard times. But it's a cycle. The hard times, the trials that we face lead us to being stronger in the long run. And the cycle continues. Hopefully we are improving through all of it and all the bad things that we experience and all the enemies we face, we overcome. We have to. It's the only way to survive. So I look at this and I say society is harming women, period. And it's something new because when you go back to the year 2000, women were not on antidepressants. So what has changed? If we cannot adapt, identify and be rid of these things, then we could be doomed. But I think in the long run, we are survivors, we are adapters, and humans are capable. And as such, we'll figure out a way through this. And perhaps it's simply social media, and it's the over-prescribing of drugs to deal with temporary problems. And there are people who say, you don't understand the pain I feel. It won't go away. I don't know that antidepressants solve that stuff. I'm not a doctor, so don't ask me. But I've 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 gone through bouts of sadness and depression and you know it's always helped me reflection, meditation, study. And there's a lot of people who say like you can't, it's not enough. Well, yes, yeah, some people are clinically depressed. I understand that. Some people aren't though. Some people are subjectively and personally depressed due to something happening in their life. And what they need is simply therapy, not drugs. But there's money to be made. I guess we'll only Be able to wait and see if we can pull through. But the culture war persists. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I'll see you all shortly. Andrew Tate may have been poisoned. Now, I don't know for sure, but he posted this video clip saying face swollen. Blood pressure is through the roof. Skin is on fire. Hard to breathe. Some sort of severe reaction or poison. Only had coffee and water so far today. All appeared in the last five minutes. So we can see here in this picture, he's saying his face is swollen. And then we have this video where he's having trouble breathing. You can hear him. And then you can see that his skin is bright red all over his body. And he said he only had water in coffee. Looks like an allergic reaction. They say eyes almost shut, gathering chi. And here's a video of Andrew gathering chi. I think he's gonna be fine. I think it's gonna be fine. But I, I I do think it's good that he posted this to be completely honest, because uh look, I don't know if I completely believe the whole Matrix attack thing against him. But uh, yo, know, these stories are crazy. They lock him up for months with no criminal charges. Now they're putting new criminal charges on him. They've taken all of his stuff. So uh, yo, I don't know what 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 this they really, really, really don't like this guy. Andrew Tate tweets. So it must be someone working for him. Andrew is not allergic to anything. This has never happened before. Has only had water and coffee today. Either an insect bite or some matrix attack insanity in his bottled water. He's refusing doctors and is focusing on tea and breathing. We'll keep you all updated. Some people have mentioned take some Benadryl, an antihistamine at the very least. Andrew's fine. Says that pain is part of life. He says the doctor will inject him with who knows what and kill him. He's in lotus position and drinking tea. As long as he can breathe, he refuses medical attention. So far, so good. The question is where this came from. Yeah. All right, let's ask that question before we uh, jump over to the news story about what's going on with uh, Andrew Tate as of late. Where did it come from? Is he just having an allergic reaction? Maybe it was a bug bite. Maybe it's no big deal. I mean, sometimes these things happen. I've had allergic reactions uh, periodically that are like minor and negligible. I mean, it's like I'll, I'll, I'll come inside and I'll have like, you know, red on me or something and then like just goes away. I'm sure it happens to most of you. And it could be like hay fever or something or I ate something different because, you know, some people sometimes people have allergies they don't really know about. He says it only had water and coffee. Maybe there was something on the beans that got in and he had a minor reaction to it. The other thing is it looks like it could be like a vitamin B thing. He, I don't know if he took vitamins or not. Maybe it seems like a guy who knows about vitamins, didn't take a ni- too much niacin. I'm not sure. But let me show you a bit about where we're at so far with what's been going on with Andrew Tate and why there there is some there is some worry about this. I just like to point out, you probably look at a video like that and go, ah, I got it. It's crazy. There's no one trying to poison you. Take a look at this story from The Sun. Andrew Tate, uh, Tristan hit with new charge of inciting violence sparking wild Twitter rant against prosecutors. So this is Tristan, his brother. They go on to say Romania's DICOT anti-organized crime prosecution unit notified Tristan today on Monday that additional charges added to his name. After the new charges were announced, Tristan took to Twitter to hit out at prosecutors and yet another online rant. Brother, They say uh, they believe they're being targeted for telling men to work hard. Andrew Tate came out with another bizarre claim about how he's being punished for telling young men to work hard And how he would be embraced if he told them to remove their genitals and wear a dress. Fact. Agreed.
0: 18 plus.
1: He said how he was banned from social media and sent to prison to rot because he told young men to question everything, work hard and go to the gym. He claimed that if he cut off his and wore a dress and told men to do the same, he wouldn't be described as poisonous to the minds of the youth, but he'd be promoted and embraced. The misogynist claimed that that's great reporting the sun. I love how they do that. Claim that those in power are afraid of me being good and influential. And that they don't want me to help men be good. The logical extension is that my enemies are simply evil. It is good versus evil. It is God against Satan. It is the battle for humanity. You know, I don't know for sure. What I do know is they certainly seem to be doing everything in their power to crush the Tate brothers. And that to me is just weird. If they want to come out with a legitimate justification, I'm willing to listen, but they don't have one. Andrew Tate recently bought a bunch of Bugatti's. He made a video saying he bought 10 Bucattis, Bugattis because they seized his car. And uh, I'll just play for you his clip.
3: They took all my cars. DECOL took all my cars. So I bought 10 Bugattis. Look, What's the logo. Ha
1: ha. They're scooters. Oh. See you at the next house raid. <laughs> just scooters. It's so weird. As many probably guessed, just based on the amount of money spent, he didn't buy a new Bugatti car. But instead, a total of 10 new electric scooters created by Bugatti. They can't reach speeds anywhere near the Bugatti Chiron that Tate is well known for. But they're not exactly a small investment at $1,200 apiece. They're available in three colors. Are they advertising for Bugatti now? But let's talk about Andrew Tate. Now, the left accused him of being a misogynist. The son accused him of being a misogynist. I'm not here to talk about Andrew Tate personally. Let's talk about the idea in general. Andrew Tate promotes, among other things, masculinity. Be strong. Work hard. Don't give up. You can succeed. Does the rocket ship stop halfway to the moon and then just take a break? No, it keeps going. It burns bright and it makes its mission complete. It's a powerful message. Jordan Peterson had a similar message, and boy, did they try to destroy that guy. And it was very, very strange, wasn't it? Take a look at who Jordan Peterson is, this mild-mannered clinical psychologist. And they called him a white supremacist and alt-right. Even though he despised the collectivism of the alt-right, it was the weirdest thing. Because you know what the machines fe- fears the most? Telling people to be masculine. They want you weak and effeminate. Dudes want to be dudes. Dudes want to do dude things. Dudes have natural tendencies. Toxic masculinity, you know what? For what it really is, yeah, it's bad. Toxic masculinity is like the negative aspects of arrogance and aggression that can be associated with dudes. There's also toxic femininity. The aggressive vic- like what we're seeing now with wokeness is toxic femininity. It is the I'm always a victim every I'm oh, no, okay. That is is horrible. And it's the Munchausen's by proxy. Real femininity is caring, nurturing, supportive, understanding, it's thera- therapeutic, it's listening. And real masculinity is jumping in, you know, pulling a a box of puppies out of a burning building. It's grabbing that that kid is about to slip from a cliff and like and pulling him up and using all your strength, injuring yourself in the process. That's masculinity. Masculinity in a simple form is just like going and hunting some food or fishing to bring back food for your family. And femininity is watching the kids and being a good mom. These things, all of these ideas are being destroyed by the establishment, by the corporate press, and by evil forces. Now, I got no problem if you want to come out and say, there's too many people in the world. I say, OK, well, look, I don't know where the line is, but I certainly think that we don't want to be yeast farting ourselves to death. So we want to be good stewards of the earth. We want to make sure that we're creating a good balance with our ecosystem. Uh, we don't want to destroy everything. And that's a fairly conservative view. The left view is give us your money and your power so that we can control you because of overpopulation. Yeah, that's not a good thing. That's a bad thing. And that's what I have to wonder. Are they going after Andrew Tate because he is an extremely prominent leader telling young men to be fit, to exercise, to work hard and not to give up? Now, of course, the media will probably levy everything possible at him pertaining to, you know, sexual issues and misogyny. Sorry. You've overplayed your hand, Matrix. What I should say is, I don't know if it's a hand being overplayed or whatever the message is. It doesn't faze me. Why? Julian Assange is a good man. He's an important figure. He's a journalist. And what did they do? They accused him of being a rapist without cause and then locked him up for a decade and have him locked up to this day. They destroyed him. They've not ended everything that he is in his work, but they've really put a stop to a lot of what he could have been and what he could have done. So I have to wonder, when they come out and they accuse Andrew Tate of being all of this evil stuff, how much can you really believe it? There's a challenge there, because bad guys exist. There are people like Weinstein. They exist. Let's talk about Weinstein, however. Harvey, am I pronouncing it right? I don't know. This dude in Hollywood, they said that he was abusing all these women. It certainly seems like he'd abused a lot of them. But let's be real. Many of these women were abusing him oh, here comes the feminists all screaming and crying like, ah, sorry, no, I'm just going to say it. How many women sought to bang Weinstein thinking it would get them a leg up in Hollywood? Now, don't get me wrong. The women who were victimized by him, and there are many, that's bad. But how many women, maybe it's one, maybe it's two, maybe it's none, I'm asking, knew that going and having a private meeting with him meant they could sexually exploit him because they would get something from him. I think the whole thing's messy and messed up. That's the casting couch. They call it. So bad guys exist. Andrew Tate could be one of them. I don't know. What I do know is that they, they locked him up without charges. Huh. Now they're getting some incitement charge on his brother? Sorry. I don't believe you. Do I think Andrew Tate was poisoned? I don't know. I don't know, man. It's a crazy story to say to, 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 to say the least. But I suppose... The more anyone is willing to come out and tell young men to be strong, the more they will be demonized and attacked. And that's why the Matrix, or whatever you want to call it, has no credibility in this regard. But look, if they bring charges against Tate, show me the evidence. I'm not saying he's innocent. I don't know. But he's presumed innocent. He's presumed innocent until you prove otherwise. So actually, no, I I will say this. He's innocent. Until you prove otherwise, he's innocent. You can come out with every media story in the world that you want. Prove it in court and we'll talk about it. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast Thanks for hanging out, and we'll see you all then.
0: plus